This podcast brought to you by Earthlink. It's Friday, December 16, 2005, and I'm Tom Merritt, author of CNET's The Real Deal. Welcome to Buzz Out Loud, our podcast of indeterminate length. Molly just, it's just frustrating for her every day. Like we, our recording time comes right at the worst possible moment for her. Her taping today got delayed, so she's not able to be here today. But we do have our featured producer, Veronica. Me. You're here, aren't you? You are here. I'm here in body. (laughs) Just in body. Great. (laughs) Well, this is going to be an interesting conversation. Uh, Google's all over the news today. The biggest news I saw on the BBC, but it's it's everywhere. The the reports that Google is in exclusive talks with Time Warner over Time Warner's internet unit. Do you know what their internet unit is? Would that be um? Would that be AOL? I think it's called also known as America Online. America or Online. AOL. You've got buyout. <laughs> uh, Couple like last week, they were saying, "Oh, no deal. Time Warner's going to keep AOL. All the speculation is off," which almost invariably means the deal's about to come the next week. And mm-hmm. here we are with the other shoe falling. Google will pay speculative speculation anyway. Google would pay one billion dollars. One billion dollars. One billion dollars. Which doesn't, you know, it's only five hundred sixty-five million pounds, so <laughs> not that big a deal. Uh, for a five wow. percent stake in AOL. That's according to the Wall Street Journal. So uh, the two firms are declining comment, but that's the speculation is that a deal uh, will be reached soon. We'll see. This this kind of speculation runs rampant all the time. But it would be interesting to see Google uh, getting in bed with AOL because you got to think Google Talk and AIM. Yeah, isn't somehow. this a conflict of interest? I don't think it's a conflict of interest. Or, I mean, nothing legal, but right. But, but in other words, yeah, there's some com- there's a lot of competing products there. But isn't that? I suppose that's good for Google, right? I guess so. I mean, taking over the competition. They they can just kind of like. leverage efficiencies across platforms and all kinds of business speak stuff. But yeah, I mean, Google Talk combined with AOL's membership. That would be cool. And Gmail Good for them. working yeah. working Gmail into AOL as a uh, as a as a uh, the web based version of email. Yeah, for- but they already have their. Their um, email, they just came out with their new email thing at like at aim.com. Well, sure. And obviously stuff wouldn't happen fast, but if they did partner up, they could merge those two. They could make Gmail, you know, they could replace their AOL mail with Gmail. True. Yeah. It's interesting to think about. But Google never rests. No. You know that they no, never no. rest. Uh, Google Music was launched. So now if you type in the name of a musical artist into Google search, like uh, like you sometimes get little news results at the top, you'll now right. also get little music results at the top. That's cool. And they're, they're explicitly saying that they're not in competition. They're not offering the music. It's not going to be a music store. No, no. It's going to be a way to get people to go to the music stores, mm-hmm. like finding the artists that they want. So, a la Frugal. Yeah. Frugal is not I a store. It is a place where you can find what's for sale yes. out on the internet. Again, just search, just doing their search thing. Uh, speaking of Gmail too, Gmail has moved to the mobile phone. You can now uh, access your Gmail messages from the web browser on your mobile phone or device. It's free and it's smart. Well, it is free. <laughs> they say it's smart, uh, but it can handle attachments like photos and PDF files. So. Maybe eventually. Yeah. That could be, especially for a smartphone, that would be handy to have. I think I saw you on the forums lamenting the fact that you don't have a data plan, nor do I. So I'm not rushing to take advantage of this yet. Next time around, I will. But it is nice to know it's there. Yeah. 
You know, it's nice. Just I use the Google search for um, zip code stuff all the time in on my phone. Oh, you do? When you text message Google. You text message G-O-O-G-L and you put in like pizza 94117 and it sends you all the pizza places in your area. I didn't know that. You didn't? No. I use it all the time. G-O-O-G-L. Mm-hmm. That's a little Google hack I didn't know. No E. Huh. No E. Kind of like Frapper. Yeah. <laughs> they love to do that. They love to mess with people. Uh, so yeah, Google, Gmail on your phone. That's that's kind of cool. I you know I don't really use my Gmail account all that much. That's my it's my main email address. It's my respectable account. <laughs> I have I have a Yahoo Mail account that I use for just it's full of spam and and yeah. you know just for that. That's my old kind of playing account. around. Yeah, that's become the go to email address for crap I don't want. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, but Gmail. Sort of my, you know, if I'm if I were to send out resumes again, yeah, right, after I get fired from <laughs> from here, I don't know, but you know, something like that, I might use my Gmail account. So mm-hmm. yeah, so that's the Google World Domination Watch for today. Uh, Warner Music has done something nice. They apologized to Pearl Lyrics, the company that we reported on got uh, got shut down for doing searches on lyrics. Unauthorized lyrics sites were showing up. It was basically a little browser that would plug into iTunes and whatever song was playing, it would go try to find on the internet lyrics for it. Was so, it an iTunes script? Like a, like a, it was a plugin, but I don't know any more about how it was written, whether it was a script. It seems most likely, but, uh, anyway, Warner Chappelle music apologized, said, and after listening to the EFF rant about how stupid we are for shutting you down, we're sorry. <laughs> uh, but Peer Lyrics was not doing anything illegal. They were surfing the internet. They were like a browser. And that right. was my contention. So, Hey, good on you, Warner, for realizing that and doing the right thing, even if it uh, took a lot of pushing. So are they going to come back? I don't know. No no news on that yet. We'll see. Uh, but but it it hopefully will allow them to come back. I mean, they, they just pulled their, their product down. Mm-hmm. So maybe this will allow them to just put it back up. Actually, like, you know what? We'll pull that site up, and, and while it loads, we'll, we'll go on to the next thing, which is that the RIAA is suing 751 file swappers. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Well, they've sued tens of thousands of people now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they are the RIAA not getting it. Uh, Pearl Lyrics is thanking Fred Von Lohman of the EFF for his efforts and says, good news, we are back. Had a phone call with Richard Blackstone, chairman of CEO, uh, and they they said they uh, will they said stay tuned for more info for now just let him briefly explain he thinks it's good news for lyrics fans so nothing nothing yet saying that they will put the product back online but it it, it is it does look hopeful for them uh, there's also an interesting article I just want to mention don't really want to get into trying to read it or anything but considering that. Here we have the Music Publishing Association uh, backing off a little bit while the RIAA storms ahead with suing their audience. Uh, there was an article that I saw posted on, I think, Slashdot or Boing Boing. I can't remember now right off the top of my head, but it's Concurring Opinions is the name of the, the blog. It's a, a legal blog. And it's a really interesting posting by a guy named Daniel Solov about what if copyright law were strongly enforced in the blogosphere the way it's being enforced in music sphere. So the idea of of linking to things or excerpting things became so strongly uh, protected the way they are with music, it would it would basically shut down blogging. 
I mean, you you would not be allowed. I mean, it wouldn't shut down blogging. You, Veronica, you can't see Veronica sort of shaking her head at me. Well, but, I'm just kind of I'm thinking about it because. But the ability to link track, you know, track back and quote and and taking advantage of all this great sharing that RSS allows you to do with your blog would kind of go away. It would it would it would be tough times. Well, what about quoting using standard? You know, like when people write a thesis or write a a scholastic article of some kind and you quote it in footnotes or you know the different kinds of um standards that they have why why can't blogging do that well because you can you can quote can. things from a website i think what he's saying is in a paper yeah right now you can do all this stuff but the in the equivalent in the music industry is that you can't you but know there's already kind of a standard set up for that kind sampling of thing for written in internet text right and but sampling for instance is you're allowed so little room in sampling and music what if that was true what if what if you couldn't quote whole sentences and articles you know what if what if fair use dwindled to that length it, it's a bit of a straw man right because it's it can't happen that way it's not set like you say it's not set up that way but it already is for well block, i know for that I, that that's what i'm saying but he's saying what if what if it wasn't set up that oh. way what if this wasn't you know it's an interesting thought experiment, I guess. Isn't I, it? I yeah, it's interesting, but I don't think it holds up. Well, it's not. It's not practical. I'm not going to go up against a, a law blog in any sense and argue <laughs> with it because I know nothing. Well, all, all but, he's saying is is not that this is going to happen. Well, actually, he he does in his posting speculate a little bit about what if it what if it did erode this way. But he's saying why can't I guess the question put it back the other way is why can't music be this way? Okay. Why can't it be so free? See that I can understand. Yeah. Okay. That's kind of where that's going. Well, let's talk about something else you can understand. Apple. <laughs> uh, Apple with the whole Intel in, in with Intel inside. There's some speculation on a Business Week article about will they put the Intel inside logo on their stuff? Huh. That doesn't seem like anything anyone's really thought about before. Because I can't imagine them giving over any space for anyone else's brand. That would I mean, kind of ruin the aesthetic. Too, Apple is very much about the Apple brand. And it's one of the things that a lot of people like about them is, like you say, the aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I, I'm, I can't wait to see. I hope they show something at Macworld, which we will be at. Yeah, we should mention that. We're going to be at Macworld. Molly and Veronica and I will be on the stage at Macworld in yeah. San Francisco recording Buzz <laughs> Out Loud live. In front of us, live studio audience. Yes, you guys should come see us. So we can say that on, at that podcast in Macro. We can say this podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience. Yeah, we're going to be doing be real. We're going to be doing that at CES as well. Mm -hmm. We're going to be at the Consumer Electronics Show. We're going to be busy in January. It's going to be. We get back on Sunday from CES, and the next day we go to Macworld. Well, and that also leads which us is two blocks away to but. let <laughs> people know that uh, we will not be doing podcasts that last week of December. No. Because we all need to sleep for a solid week before we start going to Consumer Electronics Show and <laughs> yeah. Macworld and whatnot. Uh, we've got a little more news on iPod programming, some uh, e-paper stuff, and your voicemails and emails in just a sec. Do you believe anything is possible? At Earthlink, we do. We believe the same company that delivers your lightning-fast DSL connection can deliver your home phone service and wireless service, too. One company for all your communication needs. Visit earthlink.net and start believing today. Earthlink, we revolve around you. So this off news.com today, a real short thing. Actually, it's from Reuters saying that HBO is hoping to make a deal with Apple to deliver their programs to the iPod. And that, my friends, would rock. That's a winner. That is a big winner because that is content you have to pay for any already. Right. And so 
you, it, you know, the, the difference between watching it free versus paying $2. It'd be interesting to see how much they charge and what episodes and everything. But yeah. This is great for me, too, because I don't have HBO. And so if I want to watch something, I'm assuming, I'm hoping that they'll follow the same formula and release things the day after it airs the way they do with NBC. Mm-hmm. But um, wait, was it NBC or CBS that was first? ABC. ABC. ABC Sorry, with CBS Lost isn't and, in yet. Yeah. Okay. So I hope they do the same kind of thing with that because that would be really cool because I would like to watch a lot of HBO shows. And you figure it's not as much of a risk for them because people already have to pay for their content, mm-hmm. you know? So they're they're just looking at, they're not look they don't sell advertising on hbo so there's not a threat to their advertising business and their ratings so much I, they do care about their ratings because it's important to them to know how many people are watching uh but but it's a whole different business model so that's that's really interesting and they can still track how many shows get downloaded too so that helps mm-hmm. Uh, a story near and dear to my heart posted on Slashdot. Wired has an article about electronics maker Siemens readying paper-thin electronic display technology for commercials. For instance, on a cereal box. You know, this is electronic paper I've been waiting for for a long, long time because I think this is going to change the way we use our computers. But the first use of it could be little flashing pictures on the cereal boxes, you know, getting kids' <laughs> attention and saying, it's buy gonna, me, buy me. You know what it's going to be like? It's going to be like the newspapers in Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. How cool is that? Harry Potter cereal would have to be the first to take advantage of this, right? All right. Because then you can have... We have to write a letter. Yeah. Because you could have the moving pictures and everything. You could have the Daily Profit right there on the (laughs) cereal. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. And, you know, this is the kind of thing that has to happen to get a technology kickstarted so it can be advanced into other places. So even though it's a little bit disgusting to think about it as like (laughs) going after children, (laughs) advertising, going after children. I mean, how many kids are going to walk by a cereal box now? Not only is there a free toy, but there's somebody waving at you and saying, come here and buy me right there on the paper. (laughs) That's creepy. Yeah, it is really creepy. (laughs) Another Apple story on the register. They are alleging... And the register is a reputable source, sort of, but they're also kind of tabloidy. Yeah, so they're, you gotta take they're very tabloidy. Uh, but Andrew Orlovsky, right here in San Francisco, says he's got an exclusive that Apple has canned a software project uh, to put ringtones on iTunes. And that the reason it got canned was they couldn't work it out with the cell phone companies. Again, Apple having problems with the cell phone companies, as they did with trying to get the Rocker launched. Uh, mm-hmm. So they would have been putting ringtones not only in iTunes, but allowing you to remix ringtones before you put them on your phones. And the uh, cell phone companies, I don't know, they, they say in the register they threatened Apple and Apple pulled back from it. But Which leads me to believe even more that one of the next big things from Apple is going to be a phone. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be coming up. If not this January, maybe the following October. I would October. be surprised if it was this January. Yeah, I think it's a little early too. Yeah, But maybe next year or maybe I, sometime in between. I think we will see the Intel machines in January at Macworld. I think we will. We'll see some Intel machines. I'm almost certain of it. You know what? I'm going to renege on earlier statements and say that if, in fact, they do release an Intel PowerBook, I will probably buy it. Oh, yeah? You're not going to wait? I probably will not wait for the second generation. You're going to go early adopter? (laughs) Yeah. Well, good. One of us has to, so we can tell what (laughs) it's really about. Someone has to bite the bullet. All right, let's get into some voicemails. Mark from Sandy, Utah, calling about our idea of selling DVDs at the same time as movies. Hi, guys. This is Mark from Sandy, Utah. Um, I'm calling basically because of the discussion today about um, DVD sales at the same time of the movie release. The one reason why I don't think that will really catch on is we already see that it's uh, it's kind of a 
uh, pot shot for movies on whether or not they're going to succeed or not. Uh, we'll see some that we expect to be blockbusters completely tank, and other ones that are totally unknown sell for millions of dollars. So increasing the cost by also including the DVD sales at the time you know, could increase the losses dramatically. Whereas right now, they can wait and see what sort of a market they can have, and they can limit the amount of DVDs. Granted, replicating DVDs is not nearly the same thing as actually making the movie, but again, it is a cost, and it is a cost that they may not want to incur until after they know what, really, what market there really is for their product. So anyway, there's just my thoughts. See you later. That's a, that's a good point. You wouldn't want to do this about, uh, on every movie. No. You know, because he's right. It would be too costly. But I think they could still take a gamble on the big ones, like a Star Wars or something like, you know, Lord of the Rings, maybe King Kong, right. where they're pretty sure it's going to pay for itself. So why not? And a lot of people, you know, a lot of times DVD sales do much better than the actual movie. You know, p- things become popular once a DVD comes out. Straight to video so if is you always put, the, yeah. you know. So if they release, it could sa- help save a movie or help make a movie do better in its first weeks of release if they re- release a DVD at the same time. There's not many movies that don't go to DVD in some form, I guess. Probably not. I, I, I wonder if he knows, actually. Mark, email us back or call us back and let us know if there, if there are many of those. Dennis in New Hampshire... First, we have to criticize Dennis a little bit before we play his call. He he admits in his call that he is driving his car. That's not safe. Just, yeah, just pull over to the side of the road before you call Buzz out loud, Dennis. If you love us, we love you, and we don't want you to get hurt. You know. And I also say that um, that's up recently. That driving while using cell phones, regardless of law enforcement, it's gone up. Yeah. So anyway, continue. So okay, we've criticized you enough, Dennis. <laughs> we'll play your call now. Hello, Tamalaka. This is Dennis from New Hampshire. I'm driving around New Hampshire in my car. And I just listened to your podcast talking about the episode of Medium and the product placement. Uh, I was listening to that, and what was interesting was that the scene where they come out of the movie, they immediately broke to a commercial after that scene, and the commercial was an advertisement for the movie uh, Confessions of a Geisha. And what was interesting was, as soon as they broke for a commercial, I took my DVR and started to fast-forward through it. And then I said, hey, wait a minute. This is really weird. I stopped my DVR, went back, and watched the whole thing again. And I said, hey, this is product placement. So if you think about it, they actually worked out really well for these guys because I watched their little product placement not once but four times. Anyway, thought you might want to know that. Thanks. Bye. So he's talking about the product placement in the television show we talked about where they the characters talked about memoirs of a geisha and it sounds like it really worked for him because so, he was, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so you okay. Okay, so you saw the product placement and were confused by it so went back and watched it again. Uh-huh. But why did you need to watch it another two times? I guess after he just that? didn't believe it. He was like, "Wait a minute. Is that exact is that what they're talking about? Four I have to watch times? that again." Come on. Well, it definitely it definitely worked with Dennis. He's right. <laughs> Uh, Bill from Atlanta calling in uh, with some uh, follow-up information about They Might Be Giants and their music sales on the web. Hey guys, it's Bill in Atlanta. Just a quick addendum to your discussion about uh, artists and what they should do with their music and digital rights. They Might Be Giants is probably the best example out there. Not only can you get all of their albums or most of their albums from uh, theymightbegiants.com, but they did something really cool last year. You could download the... uh, live recordings from the various shows that they played last year, all for about 10 bucks each. 
And uh, it was neat because they also did songs particular to the venue. They actually wrote a venue song for each place that they played and recently put out a DVD slash CD compilation of all those. And some of them are are re-recorded studio tracks and some of them are actual live tracks. But they also put a DVD with it that uh, had videos that went um, to those venue songs. Um, you know, John and John are the guys that are that were the first to put out an internet-only album in '98 uh, on the eMusic, and uh, they've done streaming internet uh, music channels either uh, through WiredPlanet.com as well as uh, their own Flash Player. Uh, they just put out a podcast uh, that's artist-specific. So, uh, some really cool things that they've done over the years, and it seems like those guys have kind of embraced the internet uh, from the get-go. So, anyways, love your podcast. Take care. So, I haven't heard the podcast yet. I, t- I recommend tmbg.com. Uh, you may not like their music, and if you don't, that's okay. But I love it, and I just think their model is perfect for a band. And they, they have a rabid following. Maybe a band starting out wouldn't be able to do it the same way. I don't know. Uh, over now to Chris in Long Beach, California, about mashups and Weird Al. Hey, Tom, Molly, and Veronica. This is uh, Chris Larb from Long Beach, California. I was just uh, given a call in regards to the uh, mashup and Weird Al discussion from the other day. Um, the difference with what Weird Al is doing, it's not that it's a parody. Uh, Weird Al is actually paying royalties on those covers. It's, it's essentially as though he was just covering uh, each song that he parodies. So he doesn't technically have to get permission to do it. Anyone can cover anyone else's song. Uh, but the difference is um, he's going through legitimate means like licensing the song and paying royalties, um, whereas a mashup is done for no money usually, and uh, no one's getting any permission of any kind. So uh, I just run a little record label and uh, deal with some of that kind of stuff uh, every once in a while and just wanted to drop you guys a line. So uh, thanks for the podcast. Enjoy it every day, and uh, uh, hope to hear some more soon. Take care. That uh, We got several emails about this as well, where they point out that what Weird Al does is he doesn't go with a parody defense the way, uh, say, Saturday Night Live or somebody like that would do. He just goes with, you know what, I'm covering the song and I'm going to change the lyrics, so I'm going to license it and I'm, he pays out royalties. So the artist will make money whether he gets permission or not, and he's just nice enough to try to get the permission. So What a guy. Good clarification there. Uh, we had a lot more voicemails and we just don't have time to play them all because we're trying to keep the size of this file to a manageable proportion. If you've been on the forums, you know all about this. Uh, Adam in Atlanta did call, though, and talked about advertising product placement and speculated that maybe Google combined with IPTV would be some way to uh, to do this. So maybe while you're watching the television, uh, Google AdSense type ads might show up along the bottom or something. Ah, uh, yes. So, okay. you know, it's not getting in the way. You're not going to fast forward, but you would see the ads kind of placed alongside. You know, baseball broadcasts, sports broadcasts do this now. They put the ads in context, you know, while you're watching hmm. the program. So it's not that much of a leap. And in fact, Bill Gates recently was quoted saying something similar uh, and, and in regards to IPTV about having a split screen with uh, with ads oh, along the side. that would be real annoying. Well, I, you know, I think that's taken it too far, too. Nathan in Vermont uh, called in with a question uh, and asked if... He was asking you a question about the fact that he knows we record this in the afternoon uh, and during our lunch hour, but he doesn't seem to be able to download it until 5 or 6. Is it something with Apple? Um, so I'm assuming he's taking into account, first of all, that he's in Vermont and we're in San Francisco. Right. So there's a time change there. And also, 
you know, I, by the time I we are done recording and I've, uh, you know, saved all the files, it's about one o'clock. And then sometimes I go to lunch and then sometimes I get back and do it. And then it updates within iTunes if you have auto-subscribe right away. It doesn't show up on the iTunes page where the um, list of all our shows are for a while later. I'm not sure why. I think they manually update that themselves or do it at a specific time during the day. Um, but I think if, if I don't think there would be a delay if I uploaded it and then you hit the update all subscriptions button right after that happened. I think they would update it right away because I've tried that at home and I've tried that at work and it seems to be pretty instantaneous. So I think it's mostly sometimes I like to eat my lunch before I update the podcast. <laughs> yeah. So I think that's fair. And then he says if it's like five o'clock in Vermont, then that would be about two o'clock here right. where we are. So it usually I usually never update it later than two thirty three. Okay. And that's right on five or six. So it's it's just Veronica needing to eat, man. I'm hungry. <laughs> We got a great email from Bob in Waldorf, Maryland, the mandolin picker, Bob, uh, about our RIAA discussions. And it made him think of an article that appeared in the December issue of Bluegrass Unlimited. Here's the story. Roy Acuff, uh, if you don't know it, he's a, he was a great old bluegrass and country artist. And Minnie Pearl, famous from Hee Haw, were playing a show in Round Mountain, Tennessee. It was snowy. Uh, and it was really cold, and the principal of the school where they were playing just let everybody inside because it was so cold. And so when Roy and Minnie showed up, he said, hey, you know what, I didn't get tickets from these people because you didn't, you didn't have your roll of tickets. Uh, we had to wait for you to show up because Minnie and Roy carried their roll of tickets with them. And he said, you want me to, to get, send them back outside and make everybody come back in and get tickets, which is, you know, that's what they do in movie theaters often or double headers in baseball. Mm -hmm. And Roy and Minnie Pearl said, no. Put a hat out there on the table. As they go out after the show, they'll pay. And they they swear that not a single person walked out without paying. Wow. And so it's a, it's an object lesson of trust your audience. And that's that's all we're saying to the RIAA. Trust us. Yeah, there are people out there that that will that aren't worth your trust, but there's more of us that are. There will always be a few bad apples. You can also trust me to mispronounce things, apparently. Richard wrote in to say it's Nevada, not Nevada, and that Nevadans are very touchy. So it is, it's Nevada? Well, you know what? And that's what I always grew up saying. Nevada. But I'm kind of a Hoosier from the sticks. So when I got to California and everybody's calling it Nevada, I figured that was probably the correct way to say it. Yeah. But yeah and being from, being from the East Coast... I think people always have said it, Nevada. Nevada. And, and then and I thought that was incorrect just because we talk funny sometimes. The Spanish pronunciation would be Nevada. <laughs> uh, but apparently Nevadans like to be called Nevadans. So there you go. Uh, Mike in the UK, who I'm sure thinks we sound really funny, uh, was calling to say he bought some tunes from iTunes and then he went through this syncing problem with the new PC and he was trying to move. And every, I think a lot of Sinking. people are probably familiar with those problems. Anyway, it ended up that he lost a few albums. If not, I think he lost a bunch of albums, actually. He was asking, is it legal to download from P2P to get the files? Because I have paid for them. I just don't have the files anymore. And I don't know what the law is in the UK, but I'm sure it's very similar in the U.S., no. Nope. You buy that, you buy that file, especially in iTunes. The license is pretty clear there. You're paying for that file, and if you lose it, it's like you lost your 45. You, I, don't, you yeah. don't get to own an, another copy of it. I have heard rumors that if you write to Apple and tell them what happened, 
that they will reimburse you or give you that many downloads. Well, I have heard this. Yeah. I cannot vouch for this because it's not happened to me. It's def- definitely not policy with them. No. But it may be on a case-by-case basis. It may basis. feel bad for you. Yeah. I know I ran into a smaller but similar problem when I was downloading an episode of Lost and my connection crapped out. Oh, gosh. And then I went back online. And when I went back online, it told me I'd already bought it and I couldn't download it again. So I wrote them and they reinstated it. Not only reinstated the lost episode, but all the episodes I'd ever paid for came up and then checked and said, well, you already have this one. You don't want to download that. But they, you know, they, they overdid it. They overcompensated. So, yeah, they're, they're nice. They may help you out that way. Yeah. You might just try. Might as well try. It's, it's the same thing with, the, um, with going to the Apple store. If you have a broken iPod, they'll probably give you a new one, mm-hmm. like without asking too many questions. No, so, it's nice. yeah, it's always nice to ask. My screen's getting scratched up. Maybe I'll try. <laughs> Sai Krishna wrote in uh, noting that the word podcast has been officially given the Dictionary Word of the Year Award. Yay, Yay for podcasts. And it will be added to the new Oxford American dish- Dictionary. It beat out bird flu. Yeah. Good for podcast. Bird flu and trans fat. Bird flu is a little negative. Trans fat, way negative. <laughs> yeah. Podcast hasn't been around as long as Transfat Oh, and also uh, Sudoku. Beat What's out that su- mean? It's a, it's a Japanese number game. Okay. I, that sounds vaguely familiar. Yeah. Jason and Edmonton just wanted to point out that you can, in fact, set up your TiVo without a landline if you have a broadband connection and a Wi-Fi network, or even not a Wi-Fi network. I suppose you could use Ethernet, too. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to give it a try. Search the TiVo forums. I'm you excited. Can, you can find out how to do it. Yeah, that, a lot of only, people wrote in and told me that, so it I It only works really for uh, Series 2, though. That's it does not work for a DirecTV Series 1. Uh, a couple of rapper shout outs real quick. Rick Jackson in Grand Prairie, Texas wants to know, why does the MPAA hate the internet? Why? Why do they hate everyone? That is the eternal question, Rick. All right. Join in the conversation, folks. Forums.cnet.com. It is raging in there. There's some great stuff. You can just lurk. You don't have, you don't have to say anything if you don't want to, but there's a lot of good conversations, more than we could ever fit into the podcast. Also, uh, it's forums.cnet.com and go to the Buzz Out Loud Lounge. That is where the conversations are happening. Also, <laughs> uh, you can email us, buzz at cnet.com, or call us, 1-800-616-CNET. Molly will be back Monday. Yay! Hooray! See y'all later, folks. Bye-bye.